fudge and mustard. That was a game. That was a very entertaining game. And for the second time in about a month, the Golden Knights and the Blues put on one hell of an entertaining game to which the Golden Knights had to come back to force overtime and to eventually win in overtime. Six to five, the Golden Knights with a unbelievable victory here tonight over the defending cup champion blues. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I do welcome you to a new episode of locked on golden Knights here on the locked on podcast network. It is officially Friday, February 14th. It is officially Valentine's day. This is technically your podcast for Thursday, February 13th. So let's just go with it. Let's just go with it. But no matter what day of the week, you are listening to this podcast on. I could not get the sentence out to save my life. And if you guys have listened to me now for 90 episodes, I don't really have a good time getting words out. It's just something that happens. But it is 12.26 a.m. at the time I have started recording. I have just gotten home from T-Mobile Arena. And it has been a crazy few hours, to say the least. And we have to break down this game That has a lot of elements to it. So before we do that, a welcome again. I am your host, Danny Webster, and I do appreciate you joining me here for this post-game pod of all post-game pods in which the Golden Knights somehow, someway, won 6-5 over the Blues. We will talk about this game momentarily, but very first things first. Uh, the usual housekeeping items that we need to get out of the way here. And a, another welcome to those of you who are listening to this podcast for the very first time. If you have been stumbled upon here looking for a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, this is your wheelhouse. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Or if you like sending emails, LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com is the best way to do so. And I appreciate you being here. So let us get to the nitty gritty. The Vegas Golden Knights walking into Murderer's Row, this this five-game homestand. We've been calling it Murderer's Row for the better part of a week now. Things were not looking good following Tuesday's game against Minnesota. Things looked like very bad, if you want to call it that way. It did not look good. I've been... Thinking in my head for the last couple of days, how many points do I realistically see this team getting? Do I see them getting five points? And I think five points would be acceptable going into tonight. I was like, five points would be acceptable. It would be a very, it'd be a subpar result, but to get five points would be tremendous. But the more I thought about it, the more I watched Tuesday, I was like, Am I really going to believe that this team that has been up and down for so long this entire season, am I really going to believe now that they are going to all of a sudden turn the corner in the most important homestand of their season and win games that really they should have no business winning, but they're going to go out there and give it a shot anyway? And especially given the circumstances that have surrounded the Blues the last couple of days with obviously postponing Tuesday's game with the result with the episode that what happened with Jay Bomeister, 
the Blues then had to come together on their dad's trip, kind of find that resolve and play a game under the most undaunt, uh, the most daunting of circumstances. And tonight, for the most part of that game, the Blues, or should I at least say, Zach Sanford played like a team that was motivated to win. Uh, Jordan Bennington, incredible night, 46 saves for the former rookie goaltender. Uh, Zach Sanford, again, by the way, coming into this game, Zach Sanford had eight goals all of this season. He had eight goals all of last season. Zach Sanford comes into T-Mobile Arena and delivers the first four-goal performance in T-Mobile Arena history. It does not come from a Golden Knight. It comes from a guy who barely plays that much, but he got four goals and nearly beat the Golden Knights all by himself. The difference tonight, ladies and gentlemen, in a surprising twist to us all, was the power play. In the first nine games of the Peter DeBoer era, the Vegas Golden Knights, and I still am shocked that they were even at this bad of a number. And, you know, I remember back in year one, there was this talk about the power play and how it wasn't getting going. And then year two, it was kind of the same question. When you get to the point where you make a coaching change and your power play is three for 26 in nine games, something's got to give. Something has got to give when you're three for 26 in nine games and you're coming off an abysmal power play performance in Minnesota on Tuesday night. So all that being said, what do the Golden Knights do? Naturally, they score four times on the power play in an incredible turnaround that it was just unbelievable to watch this team all of a sudden flip the switch and realize, Hey, we have five, they have four. Let's go out and score. Uh, because the power play goals that the golden Knights had tonight were very timely. You look at the first one that Vegas scores, Max Pacioretty scores it nine seconds after Vegas drew a penalty that tied the game because Sanford's first goal of the game comes 25 seconds in on a wrist shot from the left circle that Malcolm Subban somehow, by some weird way, did not see coming from his short side. Then we get to the second power play goal of this game for the Golden Knights. Jonathan Marchessault with Vegas down 4-2. to two. Mind you, they were down 4-2 to two at this point because Zach Sanford has a hat trick to this point, which if you had that in your office pool, good on you. But Marshall scores on the power play with a minute to go in the second period for his 19th of the year, 4-3. to three. And then Nate Schmidt on the power play, ties it at 4. And then, thank God for Alex Tuck tying the game at 5. Uh, otherwise, Zach Sanford would have won this game all by himself. And then finally, one more time on the power play after a holding penalty, I believe it was on Carl Gunnarsson. Marshall from the left circle, snipes it past Bennington. Golden Knights get the improbable two points and a 6-5 win over the Blues. I did say Malcolm Subban's name at the top about a couple of seconds ago. You did hear right. Malcolm Subban did get the start. The plan apparently was to go to Marc-Andre Fleury. If Marc-Andre Fleury had played, he would have made his 16th start in 18 games. But Coach DeBoer confirmed after the game that Flurry is dealing with an illness. 
so therefore he could not go. Believe that what you will. It's probably the words being spoken up top from George McPhee. I'm just saying. But Subban came in, really played for the action he saw, he played well. And I know you look at it, you know, 24 shots allows 19 goals, or no, allows 19 goals, allows five goals and makes 19 saves. If you look at it from that standpoint, it doesn't look good for Subban, but you look at the replays of those goals that were allowed. The first one you can put on him. That's no question. The Sanford goals, really, the other two were not his fault. Uh, I mean, you look at the McCachern goal in the first period, not his fault. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at it from down the by. Sanford's first goal, probably Subban's fault. Sanford's second goal, not his fault by any stretch of the imagination. Why Sanford is even camping out in the crease like that, I have no idea. McCachern's goal, not his fault. I don't know why he's all alone in the high slot to begin with, but there he is. Sanford's third goal, I not his fault. It, it was definitely not his fault. The fourth goal, again, not his fault. You look at the replays, you see so many defensive miscues, so many defensive lapses that Malcolm Subban really had to fend for his life tonight. And for what he did tonight, should be commended for it. He absolutely should be commended for this game. So let's look at the big picture here, because there is a lot to digest from this game. And again, we are at the point of the year, I'm going to keep saying this, until some team, any team, it doesn't matter who it is, until some team separates themselves from the pack in the Pacific Division, this is going to be the thing that I'm going to harp on for these final 20-plus games. Every game in every situation is going to be magnified. Now, part of this, of what I'm saying, goes into the theory of what I think of most playoff games. It doesn't matter how you do it, just win. And really, for the situation of the Golden Knights, it doesn't matter how you get the two points, just get the two points. Tonight was a perfect example of that. Does not matter that you had to score six goals. Does not matter that you capitalized on four or five power plays. It does not matter that you had to find any ill, any inch to find a way to win. You did it. You got the two points. You got off to a great start on the homestand. That is all that matters at the end of the day. But going forward, the Golden Knights need, 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 need to figure out what the hell to do in their own zone. Because tonight's defensive, the, the tonight's defensive game on the Golden Knights was absolutely brutal. It was one of the worst defensive games I think I've ever seen live. There is absolutely no way that you can be that bad. And I don't know exactly what you can do to fix it. I, I asked Max Pacioretty, I asked Nate Schmidt after the game, you know, do you think that these are fixable mistakes? They both said yes. And I do believe they are fixable mistakes, but these are mistakes that when you watch it, you go, how in the world is this even possible? Like, let, let's go through each Blues goal. Let, let's just go through them and evaluate how they were. I already mentioned the first Sanford goal, totally Subban's fault. Should have made that save. It went to him far. It went to him short side. He's got to make that save. There's no doubt about that. The first, the second Sanford goal. 
For some reason, Zach Sanford is camped out in front of the crease and Malcolm Subban is left to fend for his life against him. You, by the time Sanford gets the puck and prepares to go to his backhand to roof it over Subban, there is no defenseman that is trying to stop Zach Sanford. He is all alone. There is nobody there to even deter him from making the shot. There is nobody in his face to try and make this shot a more difficult one in front of him. And by the time he lifts the puck over Subban, it's in the net. The McCachern goal that gave St. Louis a 3-2 lead. This is the one where I watched it back and I was talking with uh, Justin Emerson uh, after the first period and we watched it back because he had got, he had grabbed a screenshot of it and it saw McCachern wide open in the high slot. And I'm like, how in the world did that happen? Derek England, who by the way, uh, returned to the lineup today and I would have to venture this will be the last time we see Derek Englund in the lineup unless something, God forbid, happens. Because Derek Englund, God bless him for everything he's done in this community, for everything he's done for this organization. He cannot be on this team. He cannot be in the lineup if they're going to make a playoff push. He cannot. For, for PK purposes, for whatever, he cannot be in this lineup. Derek Englund... For some, I I don't know what happened. I don't know what kind of miscommunication there was between Ryan Reeves. I don't know what miscommunication there was with Tomas Nosek. Uh, Nick Holden is trying to shield whoever was in front. I believe McCachron was in front. Ivan Barbashev was the one in the high slot. Somehow, Derek Englund loses Barbashev in the high slot, and he does not even react to getting after Barbashev. I don't know how this happened, but for England to not be more aggressive in trying to stop Barbashev from even getting that open in the high slot, that was horrible. Absolutely brutal. Absolutely horrible. The Sanford goal, the third Sanford goal. This was one where until Alex Tuck scored the goal to tie the game, I thought Alex Tuck was having the worst game of his career. Now, DeBoer... Obviously, he's going to say he thought he played good. Tuck has played well since DeBoer has taken over. Let me, let me make that clear. He is, for the most part, it has not resulted in points, but you can see there's another gear that Tuck is trying to turn on. And obviously, with Tuck going down late in the third period, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. It did not look good when it happened. So as soon as we know more about Alex Tuck, we will provide an update for that. But until Alex Tuck tied the game with that goal, I thought Tuck was having the worst game of his career, and this shift proved it. Not only did he have a careless turnover in the Vegas zone, St. Louis got it back, okay, got the puck back in the attacking zone, cycled, circled it around a little bit, and by the time uh, Zach Sanford gets to the net, three guys are circling in on Alex Petrangelo. Now, normally... That's a good strategy. Try and get the puck out of the Blues captain's hands because he is dangerous with it. You don't need three to tag on one defenseman when the forward who has burned you twice already is camped in front of Subban. Tuck moves away. Petrangelo finds him. Sanford hits a couple of times past Subban. It's four to two. And almost every single, those three goals right there, the last three, were absolutely horrid defensively. If that were not even more horrible 
more horrible, more terrible, whatever the word is. If that were not even worse, the fourth Sanford goal might have been the worst. And this is where Derek England might have played himself off the roster for the rest of the year. The Golden Knights, for as bad as they were on the penalty kill on Tuesday night, two for two against St. Louis, they were fantastic. This second kill should not count under any circumstance because Vegas had three or four chances to clear the puck. From my vantage point, I could probably have to go back and look. Derek England had two chances to clear the puck. Two chances behind the net to clear the puck. Did not do it. Vegas kills the penalty, goes back to five on five. St. Louis is still in the zone for about another 15, 20 seconds. And the hottest guy on the ice gets right into the crease. Derek England is standing behind him. And all of a sudden, Sanford puts it in and it's five to four. And that was the moment where I said, something has got to be done defensively. I mean, again, if not for the fact that Alex Tuck redeemed himself to tie the game with, you know, four minutes to go, if that does not happen, we are sitting here today talking about just how bad the Golden Knights defense were. We're not talking about the power play. We're not talking about the fact that they were able to get to Biddington three times. We're not talking about the fact that they actually played admirably with their backup goaltender and put up a fight. We are talking about how horrible their defense was. And thank for everybody involved with the Golden Knights, thank God Alex Tuck scored that goal to tie the game. And thank God they got the penalty for Marsha Salt to hit the power play goal to win it at OT. If those two don't happen, we're talking a completely different ballgame right now. And I, I know it sounds cliche to even think about it, but when you watch those goals back, you're like, how, did that, how does that even happen? How does it even happen that... I I don't know. I I sat there watching and I'm thinking to myself, how in the world is England not clearing the puck here? Why, why are there three guys coming up? I I get the aggressive tactic. I get that it's worked before, but you don't need three guys to go after a puck. You got to figure out a way to clear the zone. You've got to find a way to put a body on guys when they're attacking the net because that's one of the things that's plagued the Golden Knights lately is their inability to get in front of somebody when they're coming at the net, whether they're crashing Flurry, whether they're crashing uh, Subban, no matter who it is. They They are not putting bodies in the painted area, and that's what's allowed some of these teams to get these easy goals. Put a body on somebody, hit somebody in the slot, hit somebody in the crease. Even if it takes, even if it means drawing a penalty, do it. But the the one that really irked me was the, was the, uh, was the goal from McCackern that Barbashev got wide open on the slot. I, I said, it looked like Derek England was taking a nice winter stroll in T-Mobile. He was not aggressive at all getting back to that play. And that was the play where I was just like, there, there is no way this could be that bad. And for the Golden Knights' sake, it almost was. So now, again, and Pat, and, and Max Saturday put it best when he said this. I know I'm going off a little um, bouncing ball here and there. But Max Saturday said it best. You're not going to score six goals every night. But at this current time of the year, you've got to find a way to get two points. And for the Golden Knights, they did. And at, at the end of the day, that is what I, you know, as a, as a podcaster, I, as someone who covers a team, 
should be saying at this point. In such a tight race in the Pacific Division, right now as it stands, with three teams tied for second place, and the first place team at a very nice 69 points, that is all that anybody should be talking about right now, is the fact that they got two. They got two points. If they got one point, it'd be, it'd be worse to do all that and to lose to the Blues. They got two. And the Blues did what they had to do. They still hold a two-point lead over Colorado for first in the Central. But Vegas got two. And that really should be the only thing we look at today. And whatever else pops up, defensive issues, defensive lapses, whatever the case may be in these next four home games, they got two. And that, at the end of the day, is what we need to be talking about. If the defensive lapses continue, then it's then it's not going to look any better. But they got the Islanders coming up on Saturday, and then the Capitals come to town on Monday. That might be a night where Alex Ovechkin gets 700 goals. That's a very distinct possibility. And then they get Tampa, and then they get Florida. That's why at the end of the day, I keep saying to myself, five points might be the most acceptable. But the fact that they got two in a game where their backup goaltender, who has not started since January 31st, comes in cold, allows a goal 25 seconds in, gets lit up like a Christmas tree because the guys in front of him can't play to their ability. For that performance to happen, to give up five and still be able to score six, you'll take that any day of the week. And I know the Blues have been struggling. I, I even had to look at it too. They are 1-6-2 and two in their last nine road games, the Blues are. So it's not like the that the Blues were coming in as world beaters. They, they've been struggling. They've been struggling to string together wins. And again, the whole emotional thing with Bo Meester and whatnot, that, that was, it looked like at least early that was going to set the spark for them. But at the end of the day, the Golden Knights got two points. And that is saying more than I think anybody could have anticipated after what happened on Tuesday against Minnesota. To come back and get two points against that team, that's a good start. Now the challenge is do it again Saturday and then do it again on Monday. Because those two teams, those two teams right there, New York and Washington, they will beat the living hell out of Vegas. They will beat the ever-living hell out of Vegas. They are physical teams. They will beat you down with their defense. They will kill you with their offense. They have got to play better in the defensive end. If they don't play well in their own zone against Washington, they can maybe let up for seven goals, and they might not even score enough to get past whoever's in net, whether it be Samsonov or Holpe. And whoever's in net for the Islanders, they're going to be on top of their game. So there is a lot that the Golden Knights need to clean up if they want to get more points. But again, at this time of the year, any way you can get points and any way you can try and make some noise in the Pacific, that's what you got to do. And right now, with the Oilers reeling without Connor McDavid, with the Canucks still staying afloat even though they don't have Brock Besser, with the Flames down two of their top defensemen, including the reigning Norris Trophy winner, with the Coyotes down their top goaltender, and them trying to figure out how in the world they're going to get out of this funk. With all of that going on, this is the time for the Golden Knights to make a move in the Pacific and establish that they are the best team in that group. 
This is the time. This is the ultimate opportune time. Anything less than five points, I think, on this homestand would be a failure. But they got two. And that's one hell of a start given how this game was going. So big win for the Golden Knights given the circumstances, given who was playing. But they've got a lot to clean up if they're going to try and beat the Islanders on Saturday. So there is that. All right. I guess we'll take one look around the league before we get out of here because there was a lot that happened, and I'm not going to go fully into detail with everything that happened. I mean, for the love of God, it's 5-1. to one. I've got to get some sleep. <laughs> I mean, good God. Uh, the Sabres somehow won a hockey game 4-3 uh, to three over the Blue Jackets. Uh, the Blue Jackets got a point, and really the fact that they've been getting points at this rate is flat-out incredible. Uh, the Stars beat the Maple Leafs 3-2. to two. The aforementioned Oilers go into Tampa and lose 3-1. to one. Andre Vasilevsky has a 20-game point streak. It is absolutely incredible. What the reigning Vezina Trophy winner has been doing, he's been absolutely on fire. 20 straight games with a point for Andre Vasilevsky. I think it's 18-0-2. Can you imagine that streak coming into Vegas? Like, if he brings that streak into Vegas, that's going to be, I think that's going to be motivation for Vegas to try and win that game. I, I really do. And I think if they, if Vegas is rolling up, rolling along with this homestand, if they can beat New York and they can beat Washington, the things are going to be looking pretty good for Vegas heading into this one. Uh, the Flyers beat the Panthers 6-2. to two. The Devils beat the Red Wings, of course. The Coyotes lost to the Senators. This is what I'm talking about, guys. This is what I'm talking about when I say the Golden Knights need to take advantage of all these opportunities that are being presented to them. The Coyotes lost to the Senators. The Coyotes lost to the Ottawa Senators. And I know they're down the goaltender. I know that they've been dealing with injuries in the lineup. OEL has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, Taylor Hall has been doing all he can as the, I think he's been their leading scorer since, since the trade, but the coyotes are free falling, man. They are not for some reason. They're, they're just hanging around right now. The Winnipeg jets are one point behind the coyotes for, for the second wild card. the Nashville predators who won tonight uh, against the, uh, the New York Islanders who Vegas will see on Saturday. They shut them out five, nothing. So there's probably gonna be a pissed off Islanders team coming to town, on Saturday, but Nashville three points back. The Minnesota Wild, even though they blew a uh, three to one lead uh, in this game against uh, the Rangers tonight, and they lost four to three uh, in a shootout. The Wild are three points back. The Blackhawks are still six points back. I mean, that this is the gold. This is why I'm also saying the Golden Knights need to start winning these games because they cannot afford to let these teams get up on them because if they don't finish in the top three in the Pacific, it could be another first round exit for them. And it, it's situations like these, it's games like these where at the end of the day, you look at it. That's what people are going to be looking at. The Capitals beat the Avalanche three two again. Ovechkin did not score. He's still at six ninety eight. Uh, the Capitals, I believe are in Arizona on Saturday before they come to Vegas on Monday. So all eyes will be on Alex Ovechkin in the Southwest part of the United States. And speaking of the Calgary flames, they took care of business six, nothing over the ducks. And as we look at it right now, the flames, golden Knights and Oilers are all tied at 66 points. Uh, Oilers still have two games in hand. The Canucks with 69 very nice points uh, with a game in hand on Vegas. 
yeah, it's crunch time, man. I mean, we're 23 games to go. We're 12 days away from the trade deadline. A lot can happen. And the Golden Knights are in a precarious position where they have got to win as many games as they can. And that's why this homestand is going to be so crucial for them. And if they lose on Saturday, we'll be right back here talking about, oh, well, here we go again. Wheels are falling off. But if you win on Saturday, you're going to feel a little bit better about yourself. We'll, we'll see how it unfolds. So that's going to do it for me today, guys. Again, I know this this was your Thursday pod. Uh, more than likely, I will be back Friday night to do a Friday episode or a Thursday episode, whatever the day it is. I don't know what day it is anymore, guys. I'm 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 hanging around here. Um, it, it is almost one o'clock in the morning. It's been a long, long day for me. Um, so I guess we'll come back tomorrow night uh, for a pod. Depending on how Saturday goes, we might do a post game pod uh, to break down whatever happens between the Golden Knights and the Islanders. But uh, we probably will do a pod tomorrow uh, afternoon, early evening, maybe late evening um, to get to get you updated on Alex Tuck, what the situation is with that and uh, what the Golden Knights plan on doing as we enter the trade deadline. So that will do it for me tonight, everybody. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for downloading, sharing, subscribing, all that jazz. Uh Big win for the Golden Knights. Again, they got a lot to clean up, but they got two points. And again, that's really all that matters. So thank you guys for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, until then, I am Danny Webster. It is 12. It is now. It is literally just turned one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, but I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.